0: Welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up a well-read life. Today's book recommendation is The Little White Horse by Elizabeth Googe. Newly orphaned Maria Merryweather, along with her governess Miss Heliotrope and beloved dog Wiggins, goes to live at Moonacre Manor, the estate of her second cousin, Sir Benjamin. Maria is immediately at home in her new surroundings, easily taking over the role of the young woman of the house. But there are hints that things are not as they should be at Moonacre Manor. Maria discovers a family curse in an ancient feud with the neighboring family. Will she be the one prophesied to bring about the end of it? The Little White Horse is a charming story of good triumphing over evil, bravery, redemption, forgiveness, and hope. There are certain authors that I love so much that I feel compelled to collect their complete works. Jane Austen, Rumor Godden, Barbara Pym, C.S. Lewis, Marilyn Robinson, Mary Stewart— and Elizabeth Googe, to name a few. Elizabeth Googe holds a special place in my reading life, though. I love her for the ability she has to portray suffering and evil in the world and still give a picture of joy and hope in the midst of it. Many of her books have impacted me. I'll talk about another one next time. But this week, I want to talk about one of her children's books, The Little White Horse, a book I read decades ago and one I've just given the second chance it deserves. I read The Little White Horse before I was familiar with the work or writing style of Elizabeth Gooch. I was in my early 20s, immersing myself in the delightful world of middle-grade novels as research because of my aspirations to someday write middle-grade novels, too. While reading and researching, I started to look for the inspiration of some of my favorite authors. An avid fan of the Harry Potter series— I found out that J.K. Rowling had been a fan of The Little White Horse as a child. I bought it hoping for great things for such an admired writer. But like The Wolves of Willoughby Chase, I misjudged it. I sort of liked it, but I thought it tied up too nicely and lacked depth. I was wrong on both accounts. In my adult cynicism of a too-tidy happy ending, I missed the delightful fairy tale quality of the story. I was also ignorant of Elizabeth Gouge's background, unaware that the book I labeled as Too Happy was written by a woman who had a family history of dealing with deep depression, something she battled in her life too. I hope to touch on that a little more in the next episode. I mention this now because this hopeful and happy book was written by a woman who was acquainted with pain, grief, and suffering. But in spite of this, She chose to write a story of joy and happy endings. It's something to bear in mind before labeling her work as saccharine. In spite of what she suffered personally, she gave children the promise of hope. To set them on a firm foundation in a world that is sometimes so bleak and hopeless. My understanding of this helped me to see the story in a different light. I now appreciate it so much more because of this. Now, here's more about the story. The Little White Horse carries with it a quality I love to find in a good modern book. It has that elusive fairy tale quality to it. I've mentioned this in a number of episodes in the past, but what I love about The Little White Horse is that it doesn't just have aspects of a fairy tale. It is a fairy tale. The story has a curse, a princess, and a loose sense who must break it, and a satisfyingly happy ending. Thrown in for good measure, there are evil villains, magical creatures, and eccentric characters. See, it has all the makings of a fairy tale. And within this fairy tale framework, it also holds Christian truths and virtues. This grounds the story and gives it purpose and meaning, and also makes it enchanting and draws the reader in. Placed in this fairy tale drama are some delightful characters. Maria Merriweather, orphaned in Lately of London, is the headstrong and brave heroine. Her governess, Miss Heliotrope, a woman who is both surrogate mother and teacher to Maria. Their relationship is full of mutual love and care, but Miss Heliotrope silently suffers from a youthful heartbreak. And Sir Benjamin Merriweather, Maria's second cousin and new guardian. He is a larger-than-life personality, generous and kind, but also extremely strong-willed and prone to stubbornness. There is also Love a Manette, a diminutive, beautiful woman in Sir Benjamin's lost love and her son Robin, an early friend of Maria's. Their first meeting carries a magical aspect as well. The old parson, an eloquent speaker with a prophetic bent, becomes a dear friend of Maria's. And to round these characters out are the wicked men of the woods and their leader, sworn enemies of the Merryweather family. They have claimed the village's bordering sea for themselves and steal from Moonacre Manor and the townspeople. The little white horse opens with Maria. Miss Heliotrope, and Maria's spoiled dog, Wiggins, on the way to Moonacre Manor. It is the estate of her second cousin, Sir Benjamin, and it will be her new home after her father dies. Her mother died before Maria could know her. Maria's new home is a strange and fantastical place. A sentinel of hedges appear to move and watch Maria in a menacing manner, and she thinks she spies a little white horse in the moonlight. Unbeknownst to Maria, This horse is part of a family prophecy. Sir Benjamin is warm and kind, even though he brags that a woman has not stepped foot in Moonacre Manor in 20 years. He welcomes Maria and Miss Heliotrope into his home with open arms. The story mixes the fantastic with the ordinary seamlessly. There is a hint of a ghost, a unicorn in the forest, and a house charmed like the beast home in Beauty and the Beast. Although it turns out that much of its charm is really the eclectic collection of pets and eccentric characters. The story is set in a definitive time and place in history, England to 1842, but there is also a fairy tale framework to it. A heroine on a quest to bring restoration to her family and stop evil forces that are plaguing her village. There is also the family prophecy of the moon princess, the type of savior. The old parson tells Maria about the prophecy of the moon princess. He says, And once in every generation, the moon princess comes back to the manor, and for a short while there is great joy. For always the sun merryweathers and the moon merryweathers consort well together. But then, as if in punishment for the original sin, there is a quarrel, and the moon princess once more goes away. This would seem hopeless and bleak and pretend ill for Maria, but she presses the old parson and asks if the moon princess must always go away. The old parson tells her how the villagers believe that there will be one moon princess who will stay, but she must overcome her pride and love a poor man. Is Maria the long-awaited moon princess? Before we find out, she must piece together the family's past and end a long-standing feud with a neighboring family. Here is where Elizabeth Googe weaves in the Christian themes of hope, redemption, and forgiveness, all while giving us a confident and brave heroine. Even before Maria knows about this prophecy or the Moon Princess, she seems to intuitively know that her destiny is entwined with it. Although she's only lived at Moonacre Manor for a short time, she loves it and is very protective of her new home. Maria senses that all is not as it should be at the estate. Why are the men from the Dark Woods free to steal from Sir Benjamin's land and the villagers? And once she knows about the prophecy and believes that she is the Moon Princess, she is determined to fulfill her role and free her home from the curse it is under. She is courageous, and although only a girl, she confronts not only the men from the Dark Woods, but also Sir Benjamin when he is in need of correction. She acts bravely and speaks truth. She has a strong belief in what is good and right, and she acts from her moral convictions. Because of this, Maria becomes a symbol of hope for her family and for the village. Maria bravely begins her quest by restoring a place called Paradise Hill. Her ancestor, Sir Rolf, a kind but covetous man, stole the land from a group of monks out of greed. Her family has profited from the land in the years since, but Sir Rolf, who had many other grievances added to his charge, is said to haunt the hill, never able to find peace. With complete confidence, Maria plans to give the land back to God. She tells Sir Benjamin that it must be given back. In addition to this, Maria faces the men from the dark woods on numerous occasions and is never intimidated by them, although she is only a small girl of 13 and they are menacing, full-grown men. But of course she doesn't act alone. She has a band of true and loyal friends to help her. With all Maria's good qualities, Elizabeth Gouge also gives her a couple of flaws. They are flaws shared by quite a few of her ancestors—pride and a fiery temper. They are responsible for many broken relationships since the days of Sir Rolf. Like her ancestors before her, Maria is tempted by her pride and temper. She is warned by Loveday Manette, though, that this will happen. Thankfully, Maria listens to the warning and resists when she is tempted. With the temptation behind her, Maria is able to do much good at work for the village. She brings peace where there is enmity and restores broken relationships, which all culminates in the happy ending. Elizabeth Googe gave children a book with enough action and interesting characters to keep them engaged in the story. But she also dared to write a book that is full of hope. It is devoid of sarcasm and irony. Instead, it shows goodness. and a world where wrong can be made right, The most evil foe can repent, healing can come from the past, and forgiveness and peace given freely. Read this book if you like fairy tales. Read it if you like your books to have a touch of the fantastic. Unicorns glimpsed by moonlight, hedges that seem to live and move, ancient family prophecies and eccentric characters. Read it when the world seems heavy and bleak. And you need to be reminded of goodness and hope. Well, that's all for this week. I'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. If you want to connect during the week, I'm occasionally on Instagram at wellreadbeth. Until next time.